I, I live in the idea that there's no wrong choices. There's just what I choose and then what I do with what I choose. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive guide and spiritual teacher at karenhager.com. Now then, what's your decision-making style? Do you go with your gut and free fall into new things without worrying about it too much because the unicorns will carry you even as you fly across the Grand Canyon? Or do you think and rethink everything, plan and write it down and plan again and make a spreadsheet trying to control every detail? I think most of us fall somewhere between these two extremes. In my own life, I've had the unicorns will carry me kind of decisions and the spreadsheet kind of decisions. Most of us fall somewhere in the middle, I think. Sarah Noble's my guest today, and she's here to talk about how we can use our intuition to inspire more balanced decision-making and how that can lead to more powerful choices. Are you ready to meet her? Sarah Noble is a mystic, spiritual guide, and transformational coach. She considers herself a portal between the seen and unseen worlds, and she's devoted to creating spaces that let people feel fully alive and connected to their intuition. She's the host of the Modern Day Intuitive podcast. Find out more about Sarah and her work at sarahnoble.com. Sarah, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hi, Karen. Thank you. That was so beautiful just sitting here listening to your opening. <laughs> oh, and I'm so glad you're here. So when people talk about intuition, sometimes they they mean different things. What do you mean by intuition? What does it mean to be intuitive? Mm, such a good question. And so for me, it has a couple different parts, I would say. There's the Intuitive piece where we are listening to our own internal guidance and rather than sourcing outside of ourselves, we are internally sourced and that goes across our whole lives, all the different decisions that we make or that we sort of bump up against these choice points that we turn inward to decide and to search for what is correct for us. And then there's the piece where we connect, right, with our guides, with our angels, with the unicorns as they're helping us leap across the canyon. And um <laughs> and and for me I I see them like in flow with each other. They're they're the same, but yet they're also nuanced and different. So where we're internally sourcing and then we're also calling in external guidance, but as a portal to deepen what we already know inside us. So it sounds like intuition can be an amplifier of that inner wisdom if we allow it. Yeah, like it um it is it's we have we hold this nugget inside us the 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 truth of us our knowing the parts of us that are connected to our ancestor ancestors to everything that's come before us that all lives within us and yet in our modern world it gets covered up by our conditioning and we start to believe 
the stories that other people have told us about who we are. Mm. And we start to abandon ourselves and this great inner wisdom that has been moving through us through time and space the entire time we've been a soul. And it's in that disconnect that we find ourselves in the world today. And as we remember, as we come back to that center of ourselves, we ignite that part of us, that internal wisdom and knowing as a way to live from that place so that we are not making those spreadsheets where we have the sort of capacity inside us to let go a little, to surrender, to be part of the bigger picture and not be so needing to control every moment. The stories that other people tell us that we then carry and believe to be true about ourselves, the the ways we dampen our intuition, the ways sometimes that hmm, that trauma or trigger or deep hurt can feel like it's putting out that flame. How can we start to find ourselves again from that place? For me, my personal journey was uh, turning towards all those moments rather than continuing to run from them and hide and numb and avoid. And it was finding the courage to listen to that voice that was always in there underneath everything that I just would drown out because it was too scary. I couldn't look at those things. Um, They might happen again or by acknowledging them, then maybe they were real. Maybe they happened. So long as I can pretend and keep myself separate, then I could manage. But what happens is I wasn't I was only managing. I wasn't thriving. And it was in finding the courage to look at those hard moments and stop abandoning myself in those moments that led to something different, that led to me realizing that the person that I was looking for was me. And that idea of turning toward the things that sometimes our protective instinct might tell us to run away from. That intuition to me isn't about making things up. It's not all soft and floaty. Intuition's about courage and healing and truth-telling in a, not in a mean way, but truth-telling in a way that speaks to that nugget you're talking about, that, that truth that resonates in all of us, that intuition is about as you say, turning back to the places where we've abandoned ourselves and feeling into the wisdom that then helps heal that, heal those places. Yeah. Yeah. My intuitive journey has not been all love and light. (laughs) Mm -mm. It's been a lot of the darkness, a lot of turning towards what's dying in service and devotion to what's being created. And it's being willing to be with the entire process of life, which includes the death and the darkness and the looking within as a way to be able to hold more light. And also, you know, for me, I think I was always afraid that if I didn't strive to be 
with the light, then it would go away somehow. Like I had to be bright and bubbly and adaptable and doing what other people wanted as a way to stay in the light. And it was really letting go of that and recognizing that there is equal, if not greater value in being in that darkness as a way for me to know me and what I truly want, which then taps into the wisdom. And that, and embracing that wholeness, even if sometimes I know in my own journey, which has also not been all love and light and squishy unicorns and cotton candy and angel clouds, um, being willing to embrace the the wholeness of ourselves, which includes the way that light and shadow intermix, that feels like an important perspective to bring to decision-making too, because if I've got a decision in front of me, I can't just be guided by, by my desire to do what someone else wants or to be the bubbliest one in the room. If I'm going to make especially like a big life decision, I can see how it would be valuable to be intuitively guided in the light and shadow in the possibilities that exist there. Yeah. And what I see in that is because when we work to wish away parts of ourselves, we aren't experiencing the fullness of us. And it's the fullness of us that makes the choice that's correct for us. It's when we gather all the pieces and we use all of ourself and our wholeness to choose that we are really choosing in alignment with our heart. But if we are sort of turning away from or wishing away certain parts, like, oh gosh, why do I always do that? Or, oh, I can't believe I said that again. Or there's so much wisdom in those parts of us. It's just misaligned Mm -hmm. or misinformed or confused. And when we want to make it go away, we, we kind of create this divide inside ourselves and we're not hearing the full wisdom of the voice, the internal knowing, because we're alienating part of it, a part that is very, very wise. It has kept us safe and loved and protected for many, many years in a misguided way. So when we harness that part of ourselves and bring it into the decision-making, in an informed, cohesive, coherent way, there's so much more that we have access to. When you work with people around decision-making and intuition and decision-making, are you talking about the great big ones like, uh, shall I move to Kansas City? Or shall I leave my partner? Or is this the job, right job for me? Are, do you also use intuition in, in little things? Shall I drink this coconut milk now or wait till later? Would it be better to leave at four o'clock or 4.30? Is the yellow car or the red car the better choice for me? Do you use it in big decisions and little decisions? I do. I do because I see like, and as you say, right, should I drink this coconut milk now or later? How I see that sometimes is where a pattern or conditioning wants to come up and tell me that I need something. And maybe it's the coconut milk, but maybe it's chocolate or chips or something that I just want because I'm trying to satiate something. So when I tap in in those moments, in the little moments, it helps me see, is this decision coming from the place that actually I'm hungry or I'm thirsty, or I just want to try something delicious. 
yet it's clean and it's clear and it's of service to me rather than just, you know, eating something because I'm actually afraid of a phone call that I've got to make later. Hmm. Or I'm rushing to, should I leave at four or four thirty? Well, am I leaving at four because I'm trying to make the people happy that I'm going to see and be there early? Or am I leaving at four thirty because then I get 30 more minutes to do something that really nourishes my soul and then I get to be with the other people when I get there. So yes, I find that even bringing it into the small decisions helps us see something deeper that might be going on underneath. Can you share a a practical way, maybe in one of those small decisions, that a listener could begin to open up to this intuitive input? So for me, it first involves pausing and breathing and being quiet. And that can even just be two breaths. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But creating that pause in between what I'm going to do and and that moment before I start it, just to tap in. And for me, with practice, I feel it in the center of my body. I refer to it as my inner authority because it's that part in my central channel that flows through my heart that I drop into. And it's it's from that place that I can actually hear what is true for me. And the pause and the breath regulate what else might be going on in my field and in my thoughts. And they bring me to my heart in that moment. And then I, I have practiced where there's a sensation that I feel that allows me to choose what is true for me. So some of it is just a practice, right? But it's it's stopping to pause, to breathe, to feel your feet on the floor, to connect with the heart. And all that can happen inside of two breaths. <laughs> and then from that moment, then you choose. Is it, would you guide people to choose experimentally? Uh, in the small things, I don't mean like, shall I move to Kansas City, but in the, in the <laughs> small things? Can yeah, we, well, can sorry, we go ahead. By choo- I, I'm wondering if we can learn by choosing experimentally. I don't know if this is my intuition or I maybe I'm just making it up, but here's how I feel guided. Let's try this. Can Could you do it like that? Yes. So for me, I have come to the place where I I live in the idea that there's no wrong choices. There's just what I choose and then what I do with what I choose. So what ha- what can happen, right? We make this small choice and then we immediately start to beat ourselves up that we should have chosen the other thing because maybe it didn't go the way we thought or we're second guessing ourselves or we ended up being late and then someone was mad at us. And now all of a sudden we're second guessing the fact that we chose to arrive five minutes late. And it's in the devotion and dedication to the choice that we strengthen the muscle. So even if other people might think what we chose was wrong, you know, in quotes, so long as we devote ourselves to the fact that we made a choice and then we follow through and we don't beat ourselves up about it, we are strengthening that part of us that trusts ourselves. 
to make choices. So then as we move into the bigger choices, we start to live inside the bandwidth that even if this choice might be perceived as wrong, I have the trust inside myself that I'm exactly where I need to be in this moment and what's going to unfold from my let's say, you know, quote unquote, bad, wrong choice is actually going to enhance my life in a, just in a different way than I thought. What a beautiful response to the spreadsheet part that wants to plan it all out and control everything right before it happens. I need to know everything in every detail before I make the decision so that I can decide. And what a beautiful response also to the Mm, to the way in which we un like um like taking something apart the way we disassemble those old stories we have about ourselves ah you always choose the wrong thing idiot you went for the chips i knew you would you always do it that choosing in the way that you're suggesting that gentle playful uh wise grounded way starts to take apart some of the voices of those old stories and old patterns that's beautiful yeah, it's changed my life by having that compassion for myself and that trust in myself that even if I chose the chips, that, oh, well, I can choose something different next time. And you know what? The chips tasted really good. <laughs> <laughs> she says wiping the salt from her lips. Right. I know. I can like taste it as we're talking. I'm like, oh, they were so good. <laughs> You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Sarah Noble. Uh, we're talking about intuition and decision-making. You can find out more about Sarah and her work at sarahnoble.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-N-O-B-L-E.com, sarahnoble.com. She has a free guide available there called Ignite Your Intuition, and that's all there at sarahnoble.com. So you shared a little bit, Sarah, about how embracing your intuition has changed your own life. And I'd love to hear more about that. What happened to lead you down this path now as an intuitive and coach and teacher? I had a pretty rough and traumatic upbringing and really was living inside of lots of conditioning, lots of stories that were handed down ancestral patterns, many, many things. And I would numb through alcohol and food and pretty much anything I could in order to not feel or look at anything. And yet inside there was this knowing that this couldn't be all that life was. And I allowed that voice, even inside of all the fear, even inside of everything, all the chaos that I had created <laughs> in my life, there was this part of me that I I kept turning towards, even in my dysfunctional way in the beginning. And I would take risks, I suppose. I um, At 25, I put all my stuff in storage and jumped in a Jeep with a guy I barely knew and took off to travel because this is what I had wanted for so long, but I was so afraid to do it. And But everything in my life, even my friends that said, you can't do this, the this voice inside me that I hadn't yet connected to in such a deep way was saying I had to. 
And I chose to follow that voice, even though I did not understand it at that point. I, I didn't have the awareness of, of what it means to follow your intuition. I just knew that there were certain things I had to do and I, I couldn't not. And that started the journey of turning towards myself. And when I would feel those urges inside me or those voices that I would take action on that, even if it didn't make sense. And it started to build something inside me that then I called in help. I got a therapist, I got a coach, I started unpacking what was actually happening inside me. And I remember the first time my first therapist told me that I didn't have to believe what I thought. And it was life-changing. Like, I was like, I don't even understand what you mean. <laughs> and, um, but that opened up something. And it was through all these little moments and all these choices that I began to want to understand who am I? Wh who am I under all these voices in my head and all these things I do that then make me feel guilty or I feel shame about or... And I really just started digging and turning towards and allowing. And through that, I got a really deep meditation practice. I started yoga and I allow God, the divine source, the universe to start to have a place in my life. And then I started practicing mm. <laughs> because it, I had a, an intuitive reading, gosh, probably when I was maybe 28, and I was blown away by how this woman that I didn't know could tell me all these things about myself. And it was a turning point. Some part of me said, you want to know how to do that? Because <laughs> it was so life-changing and amazing that we are to see that we're connected that way when I believed we were so separate. And that the way the, I know in my own journey, which it sounds like has some similarities to yours, that, that feeling of realizing I wasn't ever really alone, even at the times I felt the most separated from myself, from God, from light, from hope that I had never been alone. That was a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mine happened when I read Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. And when I opened that book, I believed I was the only person who felt this way, that had this just angst inside her all the time, that was constantly worried about what people would think and all the things. And I read that book and I felt that she wrote it exactly for me. <laughs> and yet there's like 50 million copies in print or something crazy. And something changed in me. Like other people think this and feel this way too. Like I'm not alone. Like it was incredible that moment. I'm thinking about decision-making again and just thinking about how, when I look back at big decisions that I've made in my life, the ones where I made decisions in a way that was about cohesion and looking at more and expansiveness, those have been the good ones. 
And the ones I made from the place where there was angst inside me all the time or the illusion that I was separate or from me not listening to spirit or God or light or intuition or make up your own word, um, that I didn't listen to spirit because I knew better. Those were the lousy ones. <laughs> yeah, I um, where I have learned to play with those is that lousy is subjective again to my conditioning mm -hmm. and that okay yeah you know what if you had gone this way <laughs> it might have been easier let's say <laughs> and um so so the example that's dropping in and it's it's a big example it was leaving my marriage like it was not a decision that i made lightly and it was one that took a long time for me to really be committed to and there was a point when I was beating myself up and saying, this was a lousy decision to stay. You should have left a long time ago. Like, you know, the, and those voices wanted to come in. And where the huge growth and expansion happened was when I can look back and see the gift in staying and how, because I stayed, what opened in me how I was able to navigate the divorce through so much more love and kindness that would not have been available to me had I left five years earlier. Hmm. I was able to be a better mother for my kids because they were a little bit older by the time I left. And I had done enough work that I could, I could expand as I went through the process as opposed to be contracted in fear. And so I was able to, instead of beat myself up because I should have done something different, I really could look at what I had created differently because I chose to stay. And I, and I believe that that way of looking at our experiences is available always. And it, it feels to me that intuition is about creating and following branching paths that when we're working intuitively, feeling intuitively, living intuitively, we, even when we think we run into a brick wall, there's something else behind that brick wall. And so following that, as we're making decisions, following that idea that each choice, whether it's, a, you know, subjectively lousy or not, um, that each choice leads to more and more and more that the path changes as we walk it. And that might take some of the sting out of feeling like I've never made de uh, decisions with my intuition. Now I'm going to start because I heard Sarah on this podcast. I will now make all my decisions intuitively. Kind of takes the sting out of that because each decision just opens another branching path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the big things as we walk those branching paths that being more connected to my intuition and following that inner authority, that that wisdom, is that I can walk more peacefully with uncertainty. Because I think that's the piece, at least in my life, and I see it in my students and my clients, where it's the uncertainty. And it's why we question ourselves. It's why we doubt. It's why we wait and don't make a decision, because there's out in front of us, this big 
amount of uncertainty. Like we look at it and we we're scared of it because at least if we're continuing to do what we're doing, we might be uncomfortable, but at least we understand and we know this uncomfortable, but that out there, well, I don't know that. And so there's this huge amount of um, fear of this uncertainty and change. And by developing the relationship with my intuition and trusting my decisions, I also start to trust that I am held and guided by the universe, by God. And that even though I am stepping into uncertainty, I am not alone and that I am loved and that there are people that will come into my life to support me, that this path, I'm not walking it alone. And so I can begin to let go a little of the control and I can allow something greater than myself to come in and walk with me into the uncertainty and there's less fear. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you. This has been beautiful. I've been talking with Sarah Noble. You can find out more about Sarah and her work at sarahnoble.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-N-O-B-L-E.com. She has a free guide available on the website called Ignite Your Intuition. So go check that out, please, at sarahnoble.com. And of course, you're always welcome at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me there if it feels aligned. And you can also find me on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic for more out of the fog content and jigsaw puzzle mania and whatever else is striking my fancy at the moment. Thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. <laughs>